I am casting a vote for democracy on this episode of Pushback. Concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. Dr. Johnny here again, and this is Pushback. Uh, and it's my privilege every week to just come before you and share what's on my heart. You know, I, I have to choose these topics. Uh, on, on a weekly basis, and I certainly consult the Holy Spirit for him to help me uh, on what I should speak next, because there is a basket full of topics that I could pull from. And I think I even said this from the very beginning when I was starting out uh, doing this podcast, that I don't think the problem is going to be choosing what to speak about. I think the problem is going to be choosing what not to speak about, uh, because there are so many things uh, to pick from. We, I, I still have a lot to say and want to say about uh, this whole uh, racial tension that's happening in our nation. Uh, and, you know, I saw a sign of a protester the other day that said, change the narrative. And I'm thinking, yes, that's exactly what I am after. That's exactly actually my heart uh, for pushback and, and for you, our listeners, to start changing the narrative. I wonder what this man meant when he had that sign. I would love to be able to find him and interview him as far as what is on his heart about changing the narrative. Because I believe, uh, and I get frustrated even hearing the commentary, Black Lives Matter and, and the discussion around this, that I think we're missing the forest through the trees. I, I think there's a, a narrative that cha needs to change, and I encourage you to go back and listen to my uh, podcast entitled The Answer is Black and White and the Brown Initiative to hear my heart on this. And I have more that I'm going to say on this, I promise. There's a lot that we can talk about in this whole COVID uh, pandemic that's happening. Um, I've received a lot of questions from you, our viewers, regarding COVID, the vaccine, uh, treatments, uh, etc. And I have been hanging on to those questions, and I will get to those eventually. Um, and because uh, this, again, things seem to be changing at light speed so often. Uh, I, I feel like there's something brewing in regards to uh, the topic of liberty, uh, in regards to COVID and how this is being handled, uh, I, you know, I had some um, leeriness uh, at the beginning when this was happening, uh, and I, I definitely erred on the side of science and in what the recommendations were uh, from a perspective of, of a physician. But I will be honest, I'm becoming more uncomfortable uh, and seeing more power grabs uh, that have been happening that uh, uh, has raised my eyebrows. And I, and I do want to bring this topic back up again so that we can, uh, as a group and as a culture, and as Christian families begin discussing these really important topics together and with our children. But what's on my heart this week is uh, the fact that both uh, the Democratic National Convention and Republican National Convention are now in the rearview mirror. And I'm a, little, I'm, I'm a political junkie. I, I, I'm determined to not have my podcast be political in the sense that uh, I'm going to choose sides. Uh, but I, it is, I do want to talk about politics as it relates to culture. 
Because this podcast, as you know, is about culture. It's about transforming the culture. It's about setting the culture. I believe that Christian families are responsible to set the culture. It's always been true, and you you have heard me say it multiple times. We sit in that seat of responsibility to set the culture because as family goes, so goes the culture. And it's impossible to talk about our culture, to talk about our American culture, and try to separate that from politics. It's, it's a demanding part of our, of our psyche and of our awareness, and we need to be informed and we need to be uh, uh, leaders in the realm of politics, in the realm of legislation, in the realm of social issues that concern us, because we are here on this earth to bring impact, to be ambassadors of heaven. You've heard me say that many, many times. So I'm going to talk to you today about voting. Now, this isn't going to just be a civics lesson, although my children, my homeschooled children, if you're listening, you can maybe learn a few things here. Um, and, and it's not just to convince you to vote, although I am convinced based on statistics that even some of my viewers who are listening to me uh, probably have not voted or have not felt um, compelled to vote or haven't been enthusiastic about voting or hasn't seen the purpose in voting. And so I believe that there will be several of you that I will hopefully convince to, to do your civic duty and to vote. And I want to talk to you from my heart regarding the importance of voting. But I also, and is also a part of the heartbeat of this podcast, is to give you language to convince others to vote. If you are an avid voter and already see the value in it, um, you have influence to those who are around you. And I want to give you language on how to talk about this in a realm of honor, in a realm of respect towards one another. You know, it's been it's been well established that talking politics with family or friends usually ends up as sort of a disaster. And I understand that. And so there is a reluctance and a reticence probably to even to even broach the subject with others. Uh, but again, the issue is aligning yourself with the, the position of who we are in the culture and understanding that your vote matters. It's the voting that matters. And, and you are in a unique position to, to bring influence to those who are around you. A couple podcasts ago, I talked about one of the most dangerous words that I believe that we have, not only in life, but in the kingdom of God. And that is the word complacency. And I even mentioned very quickly in that podcast that I believe that voting is a way to, to break out of that complacency and see the importance of who we are and the position that we have and the importance of the vote that we carry. You know, I love my country so much and, and it, it is the heartbeat really for why I, I do this podcast because uh, we live in a country where I can sit at this microphone in freedom and share my views with you openly without any fear of retribution. It doesn't mean everybody's going to agree with me. It doesn't mean everybody's even going to like me. And it doesn't mean that everybody's going to like what I have to say. But I have freedom to do that. And I value that so strongly. And as long as I have a platform and I have a microphone and I have a voice, I'm going to be speaking and I'm going to be speaking loudly because it's why I'm here. I'm an ambassador of heaven. And I want to share what the Lord's talking to me about with you. And I have the freedom to do that because I live in a democracy. I live in a free country that, that gives me freedom of speech to say the things that are on my heart. And I am internally grateful for that. Now, democracies are not perfect. 
Um, our country is not perfect. And we have been seeing uh, and, and talking a lot about even the history of our country and the, and the errors and the warts and, the, and the, the problems of our past. And I'm determined to learn from them. I heard somebody say that, that we need to be thankful, um, that, we, that we need to understand that we're not where we want to be, but that we need to be thankful that we're not where we used to be. And, and I think that's the tension in which we live in and the tension that we want to go forward with, understanding that we've come a certain way. Take race relations, for instance. It's be- better than it used to be, but I'm not satisfied with that. But it is part of our American history as we work towards and, and part of this process and this growing pains that we're feeling, this, this, this literal groaning that we have in our country uh, is healthy because the Holy Spirit can then intervene and bring real healing. I love the fact that we live in a democracy and I refuse to, um, to ever minimize the importance and the value that there is. You know, Winston Churchill is famous for quotes and, and uh, I think he's just one of the best. And this is what he wrote. It said, he said, indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. <laughs> he's, he's right. It's the best. It's the best. And, and, and I'm so glad that we live in it. And we've been living in the longest standing, running democracy in the history of the world. And our founding fathers did something right. And, and it would behoove us to lean into their heart for our country because it has worked. But let's talk about our country in the realm of voting. You know, voting is the ultimate right of a citizen. That we get to stand up for what we believe believe in and drop our vote into the ballot box. It's one of the strongest, most powerful ways that we express our voice. But according to my research, really the best that America has ever done as far as voter turnout is about 60%. That means 4 in 10 Americans don't vote, who are eligible to vote, but don't vote. Uh, this is the part that really raises my eyebrows and, and, and really has compelled me to share this podcast with you, is that the best that evangelical Christians have ever done is about 60%. That means four in 10 evangelical Christians have not voted. That saddens me because of the cr- tremendous amount of influence that somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 million voters that stayed home, that influence could be injected into the electoral process. And I promise you, it would make a gigantic difference. So I'm assuming that most of my listeners are Christian, evangelical type believers. And if you're not, you are welcome to listen to this as well, because I believe that we can help you and help the culture that you're in, to even talk about an important topic such as this. But if you are an evangelical voter, you need to get out and you need to vote based on the issues and the social issues that concern us today. Just a little fun fact on a side, that Minnesota has repeatedly been one of the best in the nation as far as voter turnout. My home state, wearing on my shirt, if you're watching YouTube, let's go, let's go Minnesota usually right in the realm of 70%. It's better. It's still not great. It's still not great. See, voting endorses democracy. 
Let me say that again. Voting endorses democracy and sends a message to the world. And speaking of the world, I looked at, you know, there's about 35 countries that have free elections and they've done data on voter turnout. And, and the United States is the ninth lowest among the 35 countries with free elections. Ninth lowest. Voting um, is the ultimate way, in my opinion, to express love for your country. It's funny, as I look at these countries that are above us, which unfortunately are a lot, I am not surprised to see countries like South Korea or Israel as having, as having one of the highest voter turnouts. Why do I say that? Because of the value that they must have in the situation in which they live, a situation of unrest around their borders. They value their, their say in democracy. I also look at a country like Sweden. Sweden has an 82% turnout. And in my heart was respect. It's the ultimate way to express love for your country. I see something in Sweden that says that they love their country based on their voter turnout percentage. There was actually an emotion in me that says, wow, I wish we could be like Sweden. They're one of the highest. See, voting is our chance to inject ourselves into the political process. It's critical that we inject ourselves into the political process because we are the influencers, remember? Abraham Lincoln, next to Winston Churchill, might be one of the greatest quote givers as well. So let me quote Abraham Lincoln. He said, elections belong to the people. It's their decision. If they decide to turn their back on the fire and burn their behinds, then they will just have to sit on their blisters. <laughs> it's a great, powerful quote because it's true. And our culture currently is literally dealing with fires. Fires in our streets, riots. This is currently happening and voting is our opportunity to respond to what is happening. The beauty of voting is that everyone gets an equal say assuming that they vote. <laughs> Voting one vote per citizen equalizes the poor and the rich, the smart and the stupid, the liberal and the conservative, the hillbilly and the penthouse elite. It even equalizes maybe Vikings and Packer fans. I, I, don't, I don't know if I, I want to go there. But we all get one vote. And that's the beauty of it. And in fact, I would say if, if there is truly stuffing the ballot box, if there's a voter fraud. I believe it's actually one of the greatest forms of bigotry. It's standing and saying, my vote is more valuable. I'm more valuable. And they justify stuffing the ballot box. It's not only criminal, it's morally bankrupt. But we get to all stand on an equal footing and all cast our ballot equally. It's the beautiful demonstration of what democracy is in a free society. But one of the most important things that I want to talk about is that we cannot forget. And what do I mean by that? Many have died for the right for us to vote. And for us to stay home, unfortunately, is a sad commentary on the people that have served and sacrificed for our ability to vote. 
There have been times in history where women were not allowed to vote, where where black people were not allowed to vote, or shall I say, dark brown skinned people <laughs> were not allowed to vote. And we understand that in those history and in those moments that the what they fought for, what they had gained uh, over time is so valuable to us in our history and to as, as, and as a lesson to us as Americans. And let's just go back to even the founding fathers. They put such high value on democracy being a healthy battle of ideas. And the ballot box was a way to say, let the best idea win. When I turn on cable news, I'm not so sure I see a healthy commentary. There's commentary, but we have such a way to go to make it healthy so that we can interchange our ideas so that we can put the the health and the value for the best America forward. I sounded like a politician there, didn't I? They put such a value on the peaceful transfer of power as not only a healthy demonstration of democracy in our country, but as a beacon to the world that this is how a healthy democracy looks and works. The founding fathers get it. And the further we get away from their heart, I fear, the the further that we misunderstand or, or, or devalue the importance of what they created. So let me talk about how every matter, every vote matters. And let me subtitle this section, do the math. <laughs> do the math. So not voting, and this might surprise you, not voting is like voting for your opponent. Now you say, wait a minute. If I stay home and I don't vote, doesn't mean that I'm actually voting for the opponent. And I'm going to say, yes, it actually does. Do the math. So let's say that you are voting and your vote creates a tie. Equal number of votes on both sides. And in scenario number two, you decide to stay home and not vote. Guess what? Your opponent wins by one vote. You staying home is a vote for your opponent. Do the math. The other way to do the math is that higher turnout makes our democracy more representative. Think about it. Our elected officials, historically, at the very best, is represented by 60% of our citizens. Only 60%. A higher turnout makes our democracy more representative, which is what it's supposed to be at its very heartbeat. We also have to understand that it's not just the president on the ballot. It's not only the president, but what he stands for, and often a lot of other social issues, gay marriage, abortion, this race discussion we're having, even COVID and the way it's being handled. These are all subcategories that all get to be expressed uh, in the ballot box itself. And there's also a lot of local initiatives that are there and judges, judges, one of the biggest, most important aspect of every election is the appointment of judges. And here's the deal that also has to do with do the math. The margin of victory matters. We saw this repeatedly that George W. Bush, they kept reminding him that he did not win the popular vote against Al Gore. They kept reminding President Trump that he didn't win the popular vote against Hillary Clinton. They won the Electoral College, but not the popular vote. 
It doesn't have to be that way, especially if the 40% of evangelical Christians turn out and support their candidate. Things could shift, and it would send what's called a mandate. When somebody wins by a landslide or somebody wins by a plurality of the vote and the Electoral College, they are given what's called a mandate, meaning that the country is behind them by such an overwhelming majority. So every vote matters. I've lived in Minnesota my whole life, and in my lifetime, Minnesota has never been a swing state. But last year, Hillary Clinton won by only 1.5%. And what that means four years later is now Minnesota is in play as a swing state. And what that also means is all of the issues that concern us as Minnesotans also begin to get put on the plate and get discussed. And Minnesota now is a, is a swing state for the first time in my lifetime. And so there's been times that I have voted, I have voted many times over my lifetime, that I felt like it doesn't really matter, we're a dem democratic-controlled state, so it's, it's not going to affect the outcome. But it has. Every vote matters, and the margin of victory matters. If you're looking to change the narrative, like we talked about at the beginning, then we need to let the vote send a message. See, politicians crunch numbers. They crunch them big time. And they often will align their platform to the electorate, not the other way around. They look at the numbers. They crunch the numbers on what influences you. And they align their platform to the electorate. And the last most important thing I just want to talk about with my few minutes left is that, and I mentioned this in many of my podcasts, the issue of supply and demand. It's a, it's a democracy. It's, demo <laughs> it's a democracy. It's the heartbeat of a democracy is the law of supply and demand. And remember, politicians crunch the numbers. And when politicians come up and they have negative campaigning and they, and they participate in mudslinging, guess why they do it? They do it because the data shows that it works. That it works. And there's no moral compass even for the accuracy of mudslinging. And we as an electorate, we need to, we cannot accept what people are saying without proof. We need to change the culture. And we need to change the culture by not repeating the mudslinging without proof. Remember what I've said in the past, in the previous podcast, whoever makes a claim carries the burden of proof. So it's unacceptable even in our zealousness for our candidate to say, well, I heard. No, because we can't bear false witness. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments to not bear false witness. Whoever makes the claim carries the burden of proof. Some of the things people say might be true, and, and if it's a negative part, then that needs to be heard if there's truth. But we can't randomly um, participate in mudslinging. Let's change the culture within the kingdom of heaven. We have to do the work and demand that they tell us what they are for, not just what they are against. You know, it's actually super weak and lazy for a politician to stand up in front of you and tell you what they're against, tell you why their opponent is a bad choice. It doesn't mean there's not a place for that at all, but it's lazy as long as they're following it up with what they are for. It's a classic political maneuver to stand and tell you everything that they're against and never be forced to tell you what they are for. It's supply and demand. Show the politicians by your vote and by your feedback that mudslinging doesn't work and it will stop. They crunch the numbers. It's the power of democracy. 
I get exhausted by the mudslinging and the, and the, the negativity that takes place during our political season. I don't believe it's healthy. I believe that our politicians are smart, and I believe that they are trying to stand up for what they believe in, and I believe that public service is a high and honorable position. So they need to stand in the place of what they are for, and they need to be able to enunciate and, and able to, to give us the platform upon which they are standing so that we can cast our vote for them. See, families set the culture. If you do the work and you become involved, listen, people will listen to you. See, this is more than just about voting. This is about becoming involved in the political process so that you know what's going on and, and people will listen to you. Have you heard the term soapbox? A soapbox is a crate or a box that a public speaker would use to, to, to tell uh, their views publicly. In fact, the definition is a thing that provides an opportunity for someone to air their views publicly. Well, this podcast is my soapbox. And, and you need to be informed enough that you could stand in the public square, set up a soapbox, stand up, and tell people what's on your heart. And, and as, if you, as you have befriended them, as you, as you have been in relationship with them in your neighborhood, in your realms of influence, you will be heard. So let's enter into the politi political sphere, the political realm, and let's do it with honor. And let's do it with the mindset that we can have influence. Influence is not a four-letter word. Influence is a powerful way. We are the salt of the earth and, and a light to the world that we can bring influence to all realms of culture. It's why we're here on this earth. And your family sets that culture. I mentioned before that we're just about two weeks away from releasing our Powerhouse Family course as an e-course. Um, so that it's going to be, uh, as I mentioned before, COVID unfriendly in the fact that you can do it in your own home. And we are super excited to be releasing this. My wife and I have been working on this and the workbook uh, that accompanies it. And I'd encourage you to go to gofam.org or go to our Facebook page, GoFam Ministries, uh, to find more information about our, our soon-to-be-released Powerhouse Family Course. We are super excited to put those into your hands and into your home. Now let's go together and set and shape the culture.